Well, today is Pentecost Sunday. Uh, Pentecost was the Greek word for the Jewish Feast of Weeks. They called it that because it came seven weeks and a day after the Feast of Passover. And the word Pentecost actually means 50th. So it's 50 days after Passover. For followers of Christ, the major significance of this day is that that's when God poured out the Holy Spirit on his church, on the early believers. Now, some churches, they don't talk very much about the Holy Spirit, but we are Trinitarian. We believe in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the Spirit is every bit as much God as the Father and the Son are. So, we want to pay attention to everything the Bible has to say about him. This morning, to help us mark Pentecost, I want to focus on just one, uh, one command given us in the, in the Scripture about the Spirit, and it's, uh, it's tucked in a little passage in Ephesians 5, where Paul's giving a prescription for the Christian life. Ephesians 5, verse 15. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery. But, here it is, be filled with the Spirit. And then he gives four things that describe what being filled with the Spirit looks like. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. There are, <laughs> actually a lot of people do this, there are two kinds of people in the world. Christ followers and not yet Christ followers. And there are two kinds of Christ followers in the world. Those who are filled with the Spirit and those who are not. Sadly, there are people who are genuinely saved, have the Spirit living in them, but they don't act like it. Maybe they're arrogant, argumentative. Maybe they are known for spreading gossip about their friends. Uh, maybe they have secret addictions. Maybe they harbor grudges for a long time. They're, they're believers in Christ. They can tell you how and when they came to know Jesus as Savior. But their lives fall considerably short of the goal for a Christian. What do you call such people? The Bible calls them merely human. Hmm? Mere humans, worldly, immature, people characterized by the flesh or the sinful nature. In 1 Corinthians 3, Paul was writing to a church full of such people. Here's what he said. Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh. Other translations say carnal or worldly. This word refers to the old sinful nature. Paul goes on to describe them as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you weren't ready for it. And even now you're not yet ready, for you're still of the flesh. For while there's jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For, for when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? See, the Corinthian believers have been baptized with the Holy Spirit, as Paul acknowledges in chapter 12 of this letter. And they had all the gifts operating in their church, including some of the supernatural ones. There were prophecies, there were speaking in tongues, miracles, healings, all this is going on. And yet, they were acting very immaturely, like infants, he says. And there are people like this 
in the church today. Jealousy, quarreling, dividing the church into factions. All these things are sure signs. They're not filled with the Spirit. They aren't spiritual. They are worldly. They are of the flesh. They're acting more in accordance with their old sinful nature, like mere humans than like spirit-filled and spirit-empowered humans. They may be Christians, but they don't act like it. Somebody said the best advertisement for Christianity is a spirit-filled Christian, and the worst advertisement for Christianity is a merely human Christian. Why do Christians have such a terrible reputation in our society? Why do we fight and bicker with each other over non-essential matters? Why do Christians divorce at the same rate as the general populace? Why do so many Christian teens wind up pregnant out of marriage? Why is the church so broken and ineffective? Well, it's because so many of us are not living by the Spirit, Galatians 5.16. We're not keeping in step with the Spirit, Galatians 5.24. We're not walking according to the Spirit, Romans 8.4. And all those are different ways of saying we are not filled with the Spirit. So I thought it would be good on this Pentecost Sunday for us to celebrate the coming of the Spirit by focusing on being filled with the Spirit. What does that mean? What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Well, <clears throat> think of your life like this glass. It's filled with red liquid because Jeff Jeffreyan told me red was the liturgical color of the Holy Spirit. Good, good on you wearing red. So. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, so here's, here's a, you know, this, this, Christ, this glass is a Christian who has the Holy Spirit. But like many Christians, this glass is not filled with the Spirit. Christians have the Spirit by definition. If you've given your life to Christ, you're saved by Him, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. But some of us have walled off compartments in our lives where we don't want the Holy Spirit messing with us. We don't want to hear what he has to say about that part of our lives. Yeah. A man looks like a fine Christian husband and father on the outside, but on the inside he has a secret compartment where he indulges in pornography. A teenage girl goes to church, Sunday school, youth group, Girls Bible study, model Christian teen. Her parents have no idea what she's doing on her phone after she goes to bed. A woman goes to church, women's Bible study, teaches Sunday school in our Sunday school. But she continues to harbor a grudge against somebody who hurt her years ago. These people are not filled with the Spirit. If we want to be filled with the Spirit, we have to surrender all the parts of our lives to Him. It's not a question of how much of the Spirit we have. It's how much of us He has. Because if He doesn't have access to all of us, then by definition we are not filled with the Spirit. The Bible speaks of being filled with the Spirit for different purposes. And, and the most basic is it's just... <laughs> The normal Christian life. This is what we'd expect of any, any mature Christian. For example, in Acts 4, when the authorities were beginning to persecute the, the believers, <clears throat> they met together and they prayed for God to perform miraculous signs and wonders 
and to give them boldness in their witness. And it says in Acts 4.31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke with, sorry, filled with, I'll get this right, (laughs) filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly, just like they had asked for. But it came from being filled. And in Acts 13, a similar situation. The preaching of the, the gospel had stirred up opposition, but the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit in the face of persecution. This is not something that is just available for a select few people. This is, this, is, this is the normal Christian life. And by normal, I don't mean everybody is like this. I mean that's the norm. That's the standard toward which we ought to strive. A second purpose for being filled with the Spirit is equipping for some ministry. And sometimes those ministries were, were offices or positions um, like prophet or leader of God's people or apostle or even deacons. Joshua is a great example. In Deuteronomy 34, 9, it says, Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did everything that the Lord had commanded Moses. Have you ever thought about the job Joshua inherited? <laughs> These are really big shoes, right? Moses is the guy who, who led the people, well, led them out of Egypt with a mighty hand and outstretched arm, you know, plagues on Egypt, then through the Red Sea, hands over the, the uh, Ten Commandments written by the very finger of God on stone tablets, shepherded them through the, the wilderness travelers, and now Joshua, you're on. <laughs> Tag, you're it. Oh, my goodness. But God filled him with the Spirit, the same Spirit of wisdom that he had given Moses, and so he was equipped for the job that God had given him. When they chose the first deacons, the men who were going to make sure that the Greek-speaking widows didn't get left out in the distribution of food to the poor in the church, some were Aramaic-speaking, some were Greek-speaking, and we don't want to leave these ladies out, so let's make sure they get served. And so they chose specifically, they looked for seven men who were known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. And Luke specifically records one of them. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And when we look for people to serve as elders and deacons in our church, we look for people whose lives give evidence that they are filled with the Spirit. The number of other examples of uh, people who were filled with the Spirit, they were equipped to do some ministry for God. And I'm guessing that some of you, maybe all of you, have experienced this sort of thing at one time or another. Was there not ever a time in your life when you felt moved to do something or to say something And it turned out unusually well, better than you might have guessed, given who you are. (laughs) I mean, haven't you had experience? Well, that's the Holy Spirit. He's at work, right? And speaking as a preacher, I think, oh, my goodness. In most cases, I get on bass, a single bass hit. Occasionally, there's a, a double or even a triple. And every once in a great while, I hit a home run. And then I know the Spirit has filled me and used me in an unusual way. Well, this cup is a Christian. And we're going to fill him up with the Holy Spirit. Boy, I wish I'd stop shaking. Okay, so here's, here's our Christian. When the Bible talks about baptism of the Spirit, 
it's never a command for us to do that. It, it always speaks of it in the, what's called the indicative voice. It's, it's a statement of fact, something that has happened to somebody or something that will happen to somebody. This is the baptism of the Spirit. Uh, the baptism of the Spirit is something God does for us when we place our faith in Christ. It's not something that we have to do for ourselves or we have to pursue on our own. But when it comes to the fullness of the Spirit, we have this command here in, in Ephesians 5. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And as I'm sure you've heard, the verb in this verse is in the present tense. So be filled means sort of be being filled, keep on being filled, be repeatedly filled. The baptism, the baptism of the Spirit is once for all. The filling of the Spirit is something that has to be repeated over and over again. And the reason for that is because we leak. (laughs) We leak. Life gets to us. I mean, there's so many things wrong in our lives and so many things wrong in our world. People get under our skin and we react badly to them. Economic turmoil in the world troubles us. We're faced with political conflict and conflict over social issues and all of that drains the spirit out of us. And we need to be refilled. So let's let's fill him up again. How often do you have to do that? Well, (laughs) as often as you get drained. How can we tell if we are, in fact, filled with the Spirit? Or perhaps I think the best way is to assess how much of His fruit we see in our lives. How much does my life display the character qualities of Jesus? Because the fruit of the Spirit are the character qualities of Jesus Christ. As we say in our discipleship model, a disciple is someone whose life and instinctive responses increasingly reflect Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. I think that's really the most reliable test of whether we're filled with the Spirit at any given moment. But another test is suggested here in Ephesians 5. In Greek, this command, be filled with the Spirit, is followed by four phrases, four present participles for you grammarians. These phrases define, at least partially define, what it looks like when we are filled with the Spirit. So let's look at those. Be filled with the Spirit, verse 19, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, I don't really think that means we're supposed to stop talking and start singing to one another. At least you should hope it doesn't mean I'm going to sing my sermons. I promise. But it does suggest something of the wonderful reinforcement we get from being around like-minded people. In worship and in fellowship, Christian fellowship. Sometimes our songs in church are even addressed to each other, right? There's a chorus that says, come, now is the time to worship. We're talking to one another. Or the, uh, the hymn, come, Christians, join to sing loud praise to Christ. So we're, we're calling one another to do this. People who are filled with the Spirit love speaking and singing with each other about the things of God. But here's a sobering implication. When people stop wanting Christian fellowship, it's a sure sign they're no longer filled with the Spirit. A second indication that we're Spirit-filled is that we love corporate worship. 
be filled with the Spirit, verse 19, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. So here the singing is directed to the Lord, and one of the first indications that a person is genuinely saved and the Spirit is working in their lives is that they want to go to church. They want to be with God's people, worshiping Him. Psalm 122.1 says this really well. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Yeah, I want to do that. See? And again, friends, you know people. You know people who call themselves Christians, but who hardly ever attend worship. One thing that can be said about them is they are not filled with the Spirit. A third characteristic of Spirit-filled Christians is gratitude. Be filled with the Spirit, verse 20, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we can give thanks to God. When we are filled with the Spirit, we can give thanks to Him no matter what our circumstances. Always and for everything, it says. We not only thank Him for the good times and the good things that He pours into our lives, but we thank Him for the hard things that He allows into our lives. Our sinful nature, our merely human nature, won't want to do that. <laughs> it takes the Holy Spirit filling us to enable us to see that God has our best interests at heart and he is still good even when terrible things are happening to us and we can thank him in the midst of that. And the fourth sign in this passage that we're filled with the Spirit is that we are submissive to one another. Be filled with the Spirit, verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, I checked a number of other English translations, and most of them start a new sentence here. Some of them start a new paragraph here. Some of them even start a new heading right there. But in Greek, this participle, this phrase, are, they are exactly, it is exactly parallel to the three that came before it. It just completes the sentence. A sure mark of the Spirit having control of our lives is that we are submitting ourselves to each other. We don't insist on our own way. We don't insist that they're wrong and we are right. We subordinate our rights, our desires to those of other people. We submit to God-ordained authorities in our lives, brothers and sisters. And again, our sinful nature won't want to do that. We want to insist on our rights goodness. We have to be completely filled up and dominated by the Spirit of God if we're going to do this. So Christian fellowship, listen carefully to the test, here it is, Christian fellowship, corporate worship, a grateful heart, and a mutually submissive spirit. These are indications that we're filled up with the Spirit. How are you doing? Since we're commanded to be filled with the Spirit of God, it must be something we can do, right? God wouldn't, t wouldn't tell us to do something we can't do. So how do we do that? Well, the Bible gives us some guidance, and it starts with a sincere desire to be controlled and filled and empowered by the Spirit. And that raises the question, why? Why would I want to do that? Why, why do I care if I'm filled with the Spirit? I, I've got the Spirit in my life. I'm a Christian. I'm born again. Holy Spirit lives in me. Why do I care about this filling business? Well, here are three, three quick reasons. One is because that's the way to become the kind of person you want to be. Right? Don't you want to be more loving, more joyful, more peaceful, more patient, more self-controlled? Don't you want these things? Okay, well, this is how to get that. The Spirit produces those things in our lives. Secondly, this is how to be the kind of person God wants us to be. 
We cannot be the person God intended for us to be when he made us unless we are filled with his spirit. That's the plan from the very beginning. And third, this is the way to glorify God in our lives. So if it matters to you that your life is glorifying to Christ, then you'll want to be filled with the spirit. The Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus stood up in the temple and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the, Spirit, as the Scripture said, streams of living water will flow from within him. And then John comments, By this metaphor, Jesus meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. So the question is, are you thirsty for more of God? Do you want more of him, more love, more power, more of him in your life? Are you thirsty? That's the first step. The second step is confession. Confess your sins. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will not fill a dirty cup. So first, confess every known sin in your life. And if it's been a while uh, since you've done that, you might want to go through a thorough spiritual inventory. There's some of these out on the uh, counter next to the uh, Welcome Center. Grab one of these inventories on your way out, work through it this week, and get really clean. <laughs> it's been a while, okay? This is not, it's past spring. Spring house cleaning, summer house cleaning, house cleaning, thorough. That's the kind, thorough house cleaning, okay? Um, step three, surrender. Surrender your whole life to Christ. Remember this? <laughs> Ask him to show you if there are these secret compartments in your life <laughs> that you've had walled off from his influence. And then open the door. Open the door to that compartment and ask this flood of the Holy Spirit, this living water to flow through you and wash out all the dirt, all the spiders, all the crud you've harbored in there. Let him make you clean. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord? And don't do what I say. So acknowledge him as Lord and master of your whole life. Yeah. And then ask. Ask specifically for God to fill you up with his spirit. Just say, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. I want more of you. I want to be the kind of person you want me to be. I want my life to glorify you. Fill me up. I don't want to be a merely human Christian. And then thank him. This is something he commands us to do, so we know it's in his will. 1 John 5 says, if we ask anything in his will, he'll do it. Okay, so if I asked, then he did it. Whether I feel anything different or not, I'm sure he did it, and I'll thank him for it, and I'll tell him, I'm going to look and see what's different about my life this week. See if my instinctive responses more and more reflect you. Now, that'll be fun. And then keep breathing, right? I, this is something we do over and over again. So we exhale our sin, <sighs> confession, inhale the spirit. Exhale our sin by confession, inhale the spirit by asking. Okay? Some people report that they prayed for the fullness of the Holy Spirit and something dramatic happened to them that just lasted for the rest of their life. Most of the people that I know say they ask for the Holy Spirit to fill them over and over again and never noticed anything particularly dramatic, but their lives were sort of a, a slow and uneven progression in Christ-likeness. I would say that's been my experience. Uh, I've asked 
for the Lord to fill me with his spirit many, many times over the course of my life. And I've never seen anything dramatic as a result of that. But I would say that over the 62 years that I've walked with Christ, I have seen him changing me more and more into the image of his son. I have a long way to go, but you should have seen me 62 years ago. <laughs> Actually, some of you knew me 44 years ago, and I beg you not to tell them what I was like. <laughs> I'm a different person in many ways, thanks to the power of the Spirit. Grateful. To all of us, I would say, there is more to God than we have experienced so far. Do you believe that, friends? I keep saying this in my sermons. There is more to God than we have experienced so far. Keep seeking. There are depths of his love we've not known. Keep asking. There are dimensions of his power for living and, and for service and ministry we've not appropriated. Keep knocking. No matter what you've experienced of God, keep pressing in, seeking his face, wanting more. The primary condition for being filled with the Spirit is a sincere desire. It's, it's our hunger and thirst for him. In Psalm 81.10, God said, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt. Open wide your mouth and I will fill it. <laughs> so like baby birds, eager to be fed, let's open our mouths wide in the confidence that God desires nothing so much as to fill us with his spirit and unleash us on the world. Listen, the God who brought Israel out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and the plagues on the Egyptians, who brought them through the Red Sea on dry land, who gave them the Ten Commandments, who carried them through the 40 years in the wilderness, who drove out nations so they could have a homeland, this God says to us, open wide your mouth and I'll fill it. So let's pray that he does that. So Lord, thank you. Thank you for the promise of your spirit. Thank you for the gift of your spirit. The gift of yourself. Lord Jesus, you did not leave us as orphans, but you sent another comforter. We're so grateful. And right now, in this moment, we ask. I want to just give each of you a moment to ask the Lord to fill you with his spirit, however you want to say that. And now, Father, we have this incredible opportunity to come to your table. So again, we pray, fill us up. Help us, even in this service, in this sacrament, to feed on Christ, to be filled with him. In his name we ask it. Amen.